Welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast from Discovery Park of America in Union City, Tennessee. Thank you, Alexis. Welcome, everyone, to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast where we explore the history, the people, and the culture of our home in West Tennessee. I'm your host, Scott Williams. And today, Alexis and I are going to share with you a very special episode. It's a recording from our Discovery Awards that we just had this past weekend, the 2023 Discovery Awards. In fact, this was the third one we've had. We honored Amy L. Bondurant, former U.S. Ambassador to the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, Dr. Keith Carver, former Chancellor of the U- of UT Martin, who now has a great job with the system-wide um, University of Tennessee in dealing with agriculture, James Ross, who's the president and CEO of West Tennessee Healthcare, and John S. Tanner, former member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Those four honorees were so good, and their uh, comments were fascinating. Um, Alexis, what did you find most interesting as a person who this was your first awards? It was my first awards. Um, I think it was just really exciting to be able to, you know, be in all the meetings we had in preparation. And then just to, since we planned so much, everything just like I think you and Jennifer were talking about this earlier, it just ran really smoothly because we prepared and it was just fun to be able to see people, um, you know, reconnecting after so many years and just really passionate about Discovery Park being here. Yeah, I thought that was fun, too, and it was um, moving. I thought their words mm-hmm. were really moving. Yeah. Um, of course, every year, you know, the, the winners are always, you know, worthy, and they always have great things to say. Um, Luke, you've, been, you've done many of these awards, what, what, or not many because there's only been three, but you've done all three. You've been there present at all three. What did you think about it? Uh, that's actually probably one of my favorite events, uh, I think mainly just because of – uh, you know, there's people coming from all over, like many regions over and everything. And uh, there's a, a nice sense of, uh, you know, collective uh, reason for being there. You know, and just it, it's very like viscerally there for Discovery Park's mission. So it, it comes through really nice in that event. It's, you know, kind of heartwarming. Yeah, I think that is um, that is my favorite um, part as well. Just the fact that the mission is kind of on parade, um, and that everybody there is there to celebrate Discovery Park's mission. In addition to the work that the that the honorees have done, you the, you your video uh, was well received. Uh, for folks who don't know, Luke did the video of some of the original volunteers of Discovery Park talking about their memories of Robert Kirkland and of those those first years of planning for Discovery Park. This being our 10th birthday, we thought that would be really appropriate to have that. So um, that was kudos to you, Luke, for that really great video, which people can see at discoverypark of slash 
2013. And Alexis, you can link to the video in the um, in the comments about this podcast episode. So in this episode, we're going to play the uh, some of the comments, um, and and you'll you'll really hear both the presenters and the uh, the honorees. You know, who just they have very short but very uh, important things uh, to say. So you know, I personally learned a lot, um, and I was personally inspired. Uh, by by their comments. So I hope that everybody else um, out there who's listening uh, enjoys it as much as I did. Our God in heaven, we thank you for each hardened man that fills this room tonight. We thank you for the vision that built Discovery Park and the people who give it life every day to that vision. May all, young and old, who visit see the wonders that you have created and be encouraged to devote their talents, abilities, and energy to making this a better world for all. And God, thank you for the people we honor here tonight. They have truly been inspired to teach our children, make our laws, heal our sick, and represent America on the world stage. They are our very best. We are grateful for their leadership and example. And dear God, For the greater good of America, we ask that you open our hearts, that we may love and respect our fellow man. Give us the wisdom to judge each other, not by the color of our skin, our gender, our religion, our background, or our politics, but as individuals, just as each of us will be judged when our time comes to stand before you. Finally, Lord, give us the ability to choose wise and thoughtful leaders with the strength to rally our great nation against those dark forces, foreign and domestic, who would dim that bright shining light on the hill, the light that stands as the example for the world, our democracy. All these things, dear Lord, we humbly ask in your holy name. Amen. Good evening again, everybody. Hopefully you're enjoying your dinner. We're gonna go ahead and begin. Hopefully you're enjoying your dinner and you also had a chance to bid on all of those silent auction items up there. The beautiful soundtrack of our evening is thanks to the talented musicians of the Symphony on the Move program of the Jackson Symphony and talented soprano Alyssa Altavel. Give them a big round of applause for their lovely performance. I'm Scott Williams, president of Discovery Park, and I'm thrilled to have you all here tonight to recognize these four very worthy honorees and kick off the celebration of 10 years of inspiration. The music at the cocktail party and during dinner tonight has been world class, I think you'll agree. We here at Discovery Park, we're very grateful for our partnership with the Jackson Symphony. The missions of our two organizations align very nicely, and we always look forward to working with Executive Director Sherry Freeman, who's here tonight, and her very talented team. It's a a partnership that we wanna see continue going in the future. I know your dinner was as delicious as mine, and for that we can thank award-winning chefs David Jones and Carla Lawrence of Artisan Kitchen of Paducah. Our top-notch service tonight was provided by UT Martin's hospitality class led by Professor Lori Littleton and the Alpha Delta Pi Delta Upsilon Chapter at UT Martin. Let's give them a round of applause. 
I'd also like to take a moment to recognize a group that provides our organization with guidance, leadership, and help in many different areas. If you're a member of Discovery Park's Board of Directors, will you please stand so we may recognize you? We have a lot of board members here tonight. For that, we're very grateful. We're also fortunate tonight to have Discovery Park's founding president, Jim Rippey, here. Jim, can you stand so we can recognize you, please? We're all very grateful for the work that he did to make this evening possible. Finally, I want to thank each and every one of you who played a role in, in making Discovery Park um, and the success in the last 10 years possible. Robert and Jenny Kirkland cut the ribbon to open Discovery Park on November 1st, 2013, but as many of you know, the work had begun years and years earlier. A reporter quoted Robert Kirkland as saying, we are so pleased with what the committees did through the years. We can't thank the people here enough who have helped us out. What you see here would be millions of dollars worth of creative time that was provided free by area citizens. And I think those of you that knew Robert Kirkland know that he appreciated millions of dollars worth of work for free. So he was always grateful to the people of his community. And, and I've heard many times how much he talked about his friends and neighbors and the spirit of community that caused Discovery Park of America to be here today. Now I'm going to ask Kelly McAllister to come back. Uh, Kelly serves as public information officer for the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. She works directly with local, state, national, and international media, as well as law enforcement agencies and community groups across the area on behalf of the Bureau. And we're so happy to have her here tonight as MC. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you very much, Scott. It's great to have you it's here. It's wonderful to be here. What a since, great night. Since you work for the Tennessee Bureau mm -hmm. of Investigation, is there anybody here you've got your eye on tonight? Well, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. So. <laughs> well, don't do that. <laughs> so who won the raffle? Well, I'm going to give this over to you, the okay. prize ticket. Can you handle it? I can handle okay. it. And the winner is Dr. Selena Dozier. Congratulations over here. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks thank so much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, See you Scott. Later. Good luck tonight. I appreciate it. I'm going to need it. Well, it appears you guys found a lot of items that you really liked in the silent auction. Do you know? Do you want to know how much money we've raised so far? Okay, you've got to help me out a little bit. Do you guys want to know how much we've raised so far? Thank you, thank you. $4,000. Thank you, guys. We have an impressive group of individuals to honor tonight, and I know you're as anxious as I am to hear from them. Each recipient will receive a beautiful crystal trophy tonight with an engraved compass that symbolizes the mission of Discovery Park, inspiring children and adults to see beyond. The trophy is personalized with each of their name, and it notes 2023 as the year of their recognition. Additionally, the names of tonight's honorees will be added to the kiosk that you saw in the lobby, which is a permanent display that inspires visitors every single day. We're happy to have Trey Wright and Emma Pell here tonight to assist our guests on and off the stage. So far, I haven't fallen, so they're doing a great job. Discovery Park has played a part in Emma's life for almost as long as she can remember. 
She and her parents, Jody and Pastor Jeremy Powell, have been members of the park for many years, and Emma has worked here at the ticket counter for two years. Emma is a senior at Union City High School with plans to attend Sanford University in Alabama this fall. And Trey is the son of Misty and Daniel Wright of Union City and, and is a freshman at the University of Tennessee at Martin. He's worked in the cafe at Discovery since his sophomore year of high school and has recently begun working in the IT department. Thank you both and give Trey a big round of applause. Our first honoree of the evening is former United States Ambassador Amy Bondurant. Amy will be introduced by her husband, David Dunn. David is an international businessman and lawyer based in DC and Key West. With his business partner, General Wes Clark, he co-founded and serves as vice chair of a global project development and financial advisory firm. David has been visiting West Tennessee and Kentucky for 40 years since he first met and later married the love of his life, Amy. He's an avid admirer and occasional companion of his brother-in-law's Max Wilson's considerable local hunting and fishing skills. Please welcome Mr. David Dunn. Thank you, Kelly. I am happy enough to be sitting at the table with former Congressman John Tanner and his wife Betty Ann, and Betty Ann and, Betty Ann and I were um, mentioning to each other that we, as spouses of political people, we do a fair amount of introducing of our spouses at public events. <clears throat> um, but rarely is it, uh, are they risky enough that they give me three minutes to talk. My wife is scared to death over here, but I just wanted to start by telling you a little bit about how I happen to be on this stage tonight. Back in 1978, I was a young lawyer, country boy from Alabama. I followed President Jimmy Carter to Washington, and I got a job in a really big Washington law firm. And my first job at that law firm was to go up to Capitol Hill to meet this very extraordinary woman. I was told that she was very smart, very tough, and very powerful, and not to mess it up. She was the first woman to run the Consumer Committee on the Senate Commerce Committee. This was my first big meeting on Capitol Hill, so I really prepared for it. I was determined to make all the right arguments and to be as, as persuasive as I possibly could be. So I entered the Senate Commerce Committee, a very august surrounding for a country boy. I was ushered into her office. There were books and papers piled up all around, along with something that was a great novelty in 1978, a computer. And <clears throat> she welcomed me, um, but she was not what I expected. What I found was a woman with a very graceful demeanor. She had a scarf and a stylish purple dress. Her brunette hair was pulled back in a French chignon. I could feel those large brown eyes just size me up. And with a firm handshake and a warm smile, she asked me to please take a seat. Well, I was usually very, uh, very sure of myself at that age, but I was a little nervous. But despite my best effort, I stumbled through my presentation. It was a disaster. I couldn't find my voice. The truth is, before that first meeting was over, I realized I was completely undone 
by the beauty and grace of this woman. Cupid's era had hit its mark. I was totally gone. It was, as they say, love at first sight. It took me four years to persuade her to marry me. <laughs> but she finally did in 1983. And later this month, we'll be celebrating our 40th year of marriage. <clears throat> now, let me tell you quickly what happened after I married her. That's the reason I'm up here, to tell you the truth. At age 35, Amy left the Senate after 12 years to join a major D.C. law firm. At age 39, she became the first female member of its executive committee of this 150-person law firm. At age 42, she was the first, chair, first uh, chairwoman of the Transportation Department's Advisory Committee on Commercial Space, uh, working to create today's private sector space industry. At age 46, she was named the first female ambassador to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. That's a 32-nation multilateral successor to the Marshall Plan, headquartered in Paris. First under President Clinton and Vice President Gore, and then continued very rare to these days, under President George W. Bush. At 51, she became the first female member of the board of the global jet engine manufacturer Rolls-Royce in London. And before we left Paris, Amy began giving back to her community, serving on the vestry of her beloved American Cathedral of Paris, the board of the American Hospital of Paris, and then back in Washington on the Hillwood Museum, and today, at a slightly reduced pace, the Waterfront Playhouse Theater in Key West, where we spent our winters. Uh, finally, at age 64, I was totally exhausted. <clears throat> Amy was inducted into the Alumni Hall of Fame at her alma mater, the University of Kentucky. Amy's career story is a long list of the first female to do this or to do that. Y'all heard many stories like that at this stage in our lives. A lot of people her Amy's age are honored like they, she is tonight. But talking about this award tonight, Amy felt it was very important to, to say there are many women her age here tonight who would acknowledge, while her positions were higher profile, she is a member of a generation of women who, the first, who were the first to lead any number of organizations. While maybe not at the national level and not with the same profile, many of these women here tonight could list any number of firsts that, of organizations they led in West Tennessee. In businesses large and small, in higher education, in finance, in law, even in this organization we're here to, to honor tonight. Now, for those of you men in the crowd who feel, as we sometimes do, that they've gained on us in the last generation, I just want to remind you all the story of Fred Astaire. He was a great dancer, but his partner, Ginger Rogers, matched every dance step backwards and in high heels. This evolution of women was inevitable. Maybe the best introduction for Amy here at home is what she said in her Alumni Hall of Fame acceptance about eight years ago in Lexington, that in her long and prominent career, no matter what stage she was on, she would often look at her feet as she was being introduced. And like so many successful career women here tonight, she would always remember that was Mississippi mud between her toes. Ladies and gentlemen, the love of my life, going on 40 years now, Amy Bondurant. David, you're my touchstone and love of my life too. So President Williams, Development Director Bondurant, 
Chairman Creswell, and board members, thank you for this honor. And for family, friends who are here, it's just wonderful to see you and to be with you. Thank you for coming. Union City and Hickman and this region mean so much to me. I was born in the hospital here. My two sisters and I spent summer nights with our granddad, Papa Hoyt Bell on Fifth Street. He called us Hickman River Rats. He would take us along to visit country stores in the Dixie area where my mother had grown up. Papa and his friends would play checkers and we would overhear pearls of wisdom. And Chancellor Carver, we have a long family history with UT where at Martin, where mother and my older sister and her daughter all spent their first two years of college. The Kirkland Discovery Museum is a very special place and we owe the Kirkland family a debt of gratitude for it. It captures history and the beautiful area where we live, this environment. It promotes science and technology. I particularly love the simulation of the 1800s earthquake, the Mississippi River flow backwards to create Real Foot Lake. And in my family, we have a press report of our Burroughs ancestor who actually was on the river when that happened. The beautiful setting of this area had a big impact on my family. I grew up hunting quail and ducks with my dad, as my husband David did later. My son Dave Bondrant Dunn, who's here tonight, and I would take nature walks behind the Hickman Seawall. We'd see all kinds of wildlife there. And Dave is a successful young metal sculptor now, and those critters we encountered back then have inspired his artwork. In fact, before we left to come here, I saw a Zoom call of something he was making, a big old catfish. I have an incredible memory of my first visit to Discovery Park. My 94-year-old mother, even with cognitive decline, asked to visit the museum. So my sister Lucy Wilson and I, of course, we brought her. We saw the mounted, imposing bald eagle uh, as you enter. Mother then recalled that she and I had been sitting on her deck overlooking the Mississippi River below when a large bald eagle dramatically landed on the railing. And despite her, her mental challenges, the museum helped her make that connection. Indeed, that day at Discovery Park would be my mother's last outing. I left this area after my college years to work in DC for Kentucky's Senator Wendell Ford and Tennessee's then Senator Al Gore. I have so much respect for them as public servants for Senator Gore's championing of the environment and early warning about the coming climate challenge, and for Senator Ford's extraordinary ability to find common ground, to learn to compromise. These are sorely needed skills in today's House and Senate. In later years, I have a fond memory of being with then Representative Tanner 
at my ambassadorial residence in Paris for a reception honoring the U.S. House delegation to the NATO Assembly, which he chaired. And Betty Ann also came in years, many years to that reception. John's leadership made me proud. Let me just say how important I think those multilateral institutions like NATO and the OECD are. It's through these institutions that the U.S. builds global partnerships instead of standing alone, promoting democracy and freedom. Well, coincidental with John's visit, Kim Fields, who's here tonight, was with us in Paris after her college graduation, helping us raise our young son, Dave. Kim is the daughter of my best friend growing up, Nancy Jo Yarbrough, and Discovery board member and longtime friend, Johnny Bacon. It was a real Union City moment, bringing John and Kim together that evening in Paris. Let me close just with some thoughts on public service. Recently, someone thanked me for my years of public service, and that actually surprised me. My dad had been a, a judge, a circuit judge. He'd spent his entire adult life in public service. So I thought that's what you were supposed to do if you could do it. But while public service can give one recognition, just like tonight, it's not an easy ride. There are many, many hours spent away from family. And in trying to balance decisions in the public interest, one will be criticized. Believe me, I know. I remember Senator Ford used to say, if all sides of a piece of legislation who are promoting a piece of legislation are opposing it, if all sides criticize you, you've got it about right. I hope young people today will be like the Stokes family who are here tonight, like their son and daughter-in-law, and see public service as a noble calling. Because our country has a great need for committed public servants, willing to take the heat from all sides to do the right thing. I've grown up inspired by this Ken Ten region, its beauty, its history. And this museum captures the essence of that. Thank you, Discovery Park, not only for honoring me this evening, but for honoring our community with this institution. Thank you, Amy. Congratulations. Very well deserved. Our next recipient is Dr. Keith Carver. He is the new Senior Vice Chancellor and Senior Vice President of the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture at UT Knoxville. Introducing Dr. Carver tonight is his longtime friend and University of Tennessee at Martin supporter, Art Sparks. Art is a UTM alumnus and has a long history of involvement with the university, serving on several committees and boards. Art has served as chairman of the UT Martin Advisory Board since its inception in 2018. Please welcome Mr. Art Sparks. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, Dr. Carver, I'm going to try to read your, your, your notes here as exactly you, as you wrote them so that there will be plenty of accolades. I'm kidding. Those of you who don't know me, you'll just have to accept it. You know, when I accepted this, this deal, I gladly did it 
because the then chancellor of the University of Tennessee, Martin, had asked me to introduce him. Uh, as many of you know, in the last few weeks, uh, uh, he is now the former chancellor, like Kelly said, at UT Martin. He's now the senior vice president and, uh, and senior vice chancellor of the UT Institute of Agriculture. It's a great move for the state of Tennessee. It's a great move for the, for, for the UT system to have a guy that we all know uh, and love as, as, as a great friend to be there with the university. Uh, I had to modify some of, his, some of his things that he did send me, though, because now I have to say served instead of serving as the chief executive officer for UT Martin. UT Martin has a budget of about 110 million, 6,600 total students, 850 employees, five regional health uh, education center, higher education centers across West Tennessee, uh, and has grown into a competitive Division I athletics program, which Keith, I think, takes full credit for that. He's married to Holly Ann. They've been married for 27 years. Now, where I was born, you couldn't marry somebody at age three because <laughs> Holly Ann certainly, certainly looks, looks like she's about 30, Keith. They have, they have three children, Carson, uh, husband Michael, JT, and Britton, and they're expecting their first grandchild in June of 2023, which is an outstanding thing. He's originally from Crockett County, Tennessee. He is a fifth-generation West Tennessean. Carver knew he wanted to uh, pursue an education beyond high school, and he earned his bachelor degree from Memphis State in 1992. <clears throat> However, the press releases for UT are quick to point out that the rest of his academic career would be with the University of Tennessee. He earned his master's in college personnel and educational leadership in 1995 and his PhD in higher education administration in 2009 from UT Knoxville. He's worked with the UT system unbelievably for 26 years, serving as executive assistant to UT President Joe DiPietro for six years before taking the post at UT Martin. He has held leadership positions in Knoxville, Martin, and Memphis, including interim vice chancellor for development and alumni affairs at the UT Health Science in Memphis. He's been the assistant vice chancellor for development at UT Martin and director of development and alumni affairs for the UT College of Law. UT Martin under Keith has secured the two largest gifts in school history, including an $80 million gift, <clears throat> which is actually the largest gift given in the UT system. He's currently in his final months of 170, or he was in his final months <clears throat> of 175 comprehensive campaign to raise money, which is 92% complete. He has done a lot of great things for the University of Tennessee at Martin. You know, getting away from the script, I cannot tell you how important this man has been for UT Martin in West Tennessee. UT Martin, several years ago, uh, was struggling, to say the least. Uh, they had some issues that, that needed to be addressed, and they were addressed by the University of Tennessee system. They sent Bob Smith in. Bob came in uh, vowing that he did not want another job, but he did take a job as the interim chancellor at UT Martin for about 19 months, I think it was. He came in without an agenda. He was not trying to become the new chancellor at UT Martin, 
and he straightened a lot of things out. Keith ultimately came in, and, and <clears throat> you know, his personality immediately just connected with everyone in the community, and most importantly, with the students at UT Martin. You cannot walk around UT Martin now with people having a little bit of sadness because Keith has gone. I'm personally and very proud and happy, though, that he has gone to the University of Tennessee, the UT Institute of Ag, mainly because it's an obvious and great step for Keith in, in where he wants to be eventually within the UT system. Now, he better stay in the UT system because I will get on to him about that. But with all that said, and with no, nothing else, I'm not going to say that we, we met <clears throat> 20, uh, 43 years ago or 40 years ago, but I'll tell you, the greatest thing about Keith Carver for my personally is he's my friend, and he's an awfully good man. Keith. And with that, I'll take questions. No. All right, thank you so much. I want to thank uh, everyone here, obviously the board, uh, the Discovery Cart team. Let's, I tell you what, there are a lot of people who physically, logistically are making this thing happen tonight. Let's thank them. Let's thank all the folks at Discovery Park. Scott, your team has been fantastic. So, so thank you very much. And I want to thank, too, uh, the Kirkland family. And just when you step in this place, and how many of you, this is your first time in Discovery Park? Raise your hand. Okay, great. Well, excited to see that and, and hope you'll, you'll come back and, and, and check it out. I really do appreciate uh, Art. He's, he's been a good friend. Uh, he has been uh, the best UT Martin Advisory Board Chair I've ever had. Uh, he was the only one, but he's, he's done, Art has done an excellent job, and, and I, I love the Sparks family. They're just great folks. And then uh, finally, two members of my family are here tonight. Um, my son, Britton, 17-year-old um, junior uh, at Westview, who's about to move across the state uh, for his senior year. But I really appreciate that, bud, and, and my wonderful wife, Holly Ann. Really appreciate uh, them being here. Um, you know, tonight, yeah. So tonight, um, I, I'm, I'm getting honored along with uh, an ambassador, uh, pretty, pretty cool, right? And uh, a congressman that I've learned a lot from, and from, from, from he and, and Betty Ann uh, throughout their life, and then obviously the, the president and CEO of a major healthcare system. And uh, so uh, they're getting honored, and I'm sure they're thinking, what's this mid-level government bureaucrat doing here tonight? And I'm, I'm wondering the same thing. Uh, but I'm very grateful. I love West Tennessee. And um, I want to see, and, and just as Discovery Park is bringing so many people to West Tennessee, just think about what's happening here. You know, Trevor, when you think about uh, Blue Oval City, you know, when you think about I-69, uh, when you think about the renaissance in, in industry and, and, and manufacturing and, and automotive industry, uh, a real renaissance in, in great health care in our rural communities, uh, I, I think it's great to say that there are some, some great days ahead of us uh, in West Tennessee, and it's so exciting to be here as, as that's developing, and even in East Tennessee to watch what happens here over the next five and ten years. But as we look to the future, we also see, okay, um, Mike, where are we going to get these workers? 
to come do all these great jobs that are coming in? And, and, and how are we going to have the infrastructure uh, for these communities to support the new people that are here and homes that need to be built? Uh, but those are good problems to have. They're problems with growth. So about 15 years ago, uh, I started keeping a journal. And anytime I would come across something at work um, or, or situation in the community, uh, I would write in my journal. And, and I call it just sort of lessons learned. And as I'm embarking on a, on a new experience in Knoxville and West Tennessee is embarking, you all are embarking uh, on some exciting times in West Tennessee, I thought I would read you and read us and read me as a reminder some excerpts from those lessons learned list. So let me just give you just a few. Scott, I promise it's just a few. When you, know, when you don't know what to do, remember to do no harm until you do know what to do. If you think that there's a chance that you will be underdressed at a meeting, chances are you will be underdressed for that meeting. Dinner with your family is important even if you have to go back to work afterwards. They'll remember that you came home. Never, ever, ever have a confidential conversation with someone in a bathroom. <laughs> you never know when someone is listening from a stall with their legs up. <laughs> Talk half as much as you listen. Keep a fresh supply of personal stationery in your desk drawer and in your travel portfolio. Handwritten notes mean more. Make the coffee at the office a little stronger than you make it at home. Be quick to accept rightful blame for a situation, learn a lesson, and then move on, and don't make that mistake again. Never, ever, ever give a home appliance as an anniversary gift. <laughs> when celebrating a big milestone event, always invite key retirees back to join the festivities. Give them a place of honor at the event, celebrate their leadership and legacy, Celebrate those whose shoulders you are now standing on. Always think about how decisions you make will impact others in five to ten years. Don't ever shield bad news or run away from it. If you know something may blow up, it's better to get out on the table early. Tell it quick, tell it all, and tell it fast. No task is too small. If you think you are above performing that task, you're in the wrong role. Be prepared to do the tasks that no one else wants to do. Remember, this job is never about you. You deal with enough egos in your daily duties, so don't let your ego be something that others are talking about. Write notes in a journal every day. What went well, what didn't. Look back at the day and see who might need a note of encouragement. Problems don't go away or get better with time so it's best to deal with them immediately. And during times of great conflict and stress, communicate. Speak calmly, speak directly, and speak from your heart. Go to where the students are. Walk through the library. Eat in the cafeteria. Drop by the residence hall lobby. Go by their meetings in the university center unannounced. But don't go unannounced to faculty meetings because they always think you're up to something. <laughs> Expect to be uncomfortable and embrace that. 
Love the unlovable, or at least try to love them. And everyone has a story. Get to know their stories. Folks, I'm so blessed to be with you tonight, and I'm so thankful uh, to be among this group of honorees. And uh, God bless West Tennessee. Thank you. Congratulations. Well-deserved and such great advice. Thank you. Our next honoree is Mr. James Ross, who is the Chief Executive Officer of West Tennessee Healthcare based in Jackson, Tennessee. Introducing JR tonight is Ms. Chris Matheny. Chris has been with West Tennessee Healthcare for almost 35 years and has worked alongside JR as a Senior Executive Assistant for the past 10 years. She's also worked with him in other capacities throughout his career at the hospital as well. As president and CEO of West Tennessee Healthcare, JR keeps a very hectic schedule, and Chris keeps him on track, making sure he's where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. And likely because of Chris, JR was here promptly this evening. Please join me in welcoming Chris Matheny. Good evening. I'm happy to be here to um, talk about James Ross. I'm a little nervous. When he asked me to do this, I argued with him, and he won the argument, so here we are. But it is my honor and privilege to talk about James Ross tonight. People who know him affectionately call him JR. He grew up in Jack's Creek, which is a small community in Hendricks, Chester County. He knew early in life that he wanted to take care of people, becoming an EMT and then an RN. He's been with West Tennessee Healthcare for almost 38 years. For almost 35 of those years, I've watched him grow within our healthcare system to his present role as president and CEO. After being named to this role by our board of trustees, one of the Bible verses that J.R. quoted so often and still quotes to this day is Luke 12:48, to whom much is given, much is required. He lives this Bible verse every day by meeting the need and making the difference in so many lives in West Tennessee. He makes those differences within our employees. We have over 7,000 at West Tennessee Healthcare. And he affects those lives every day and the lives in our community. If you've ever met him, then you have a friend for life. If you've ever had a conversation with him, he's gonna make you feel like you are that, the most important person in the room. He loves talking to people. He especially loves talking to young people. He's been invited to talk at EMS 911 camps, high schools, colleges, youth groups, churches, high schools, telling his story. If you have not heard his story, he truly has a great one. He is a true servant leader. He opens his meetings with prayer and he ends them with go get them before they get us. <laughs> I think what stands out the most about JR though is his faithful walk and his relationship with Jesus Christ, which goes back to him being a servant leader. 
Matthew 25:40 says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. JR truly takes care of everyone. It doesn't matter where they are in their lot in life. He's going to take care of the highest and he's going to take care of the lowest no matter what. I've even heard him say, God does not make junk. He is so proud and devoted to his family, his wife, Cindy, his daughter, Ashley, her husband, JT, his daughter, Kelsey, his grandchildren, Wes and Maddie Kate, who are truly the light of his life. Without the love and encouragement of his family, he could not do what he does for West Tennessee healthcare in the communities we serve. I say all this to say, he is so deserving of this award, award tonight, and all of these things are a reflection of the man that he is. He is humble, he is kind, he is compassionate, and believe it or not, he hates having attention on himself. But here we are. JR has faced trials and he has faced triumphs, but he continues to press on. He is my friend, he is my family by choice, and he is my hero, James Ross. A lot has been said already tonight about giving thanks, but I'm here to tell you if I had had an environment like this growing up as a child, number one, I'd be, a lot, I'd be a lot smarter than I am today. But what an environment it is for kids as well as adults to be able to expose themselves to not only the sciences, but to the arts, to our history, and to that, we definitely owe the Kirklands, we owe the president and the chair, we owe the development director, we owe this institution a huge, huge round of applause, please. I appreciate Chris Matheny introducing me. Some of you, um, might wonder about Chris and how did I choose Chris? Well, Chris is the one individual in my life that truly can tell me where to go and how quick to get there on any given day. Uh, a huge part of my success, a huge part of my family, a huge part of me being able to do what I do is because of Chris Matheny. And if you would, give her just a small. That's enough, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. We could talk about a lot tonight. We could talk about a little boy, an only child growing up. Uh, his parents had him at age 40. Uh, growing up in Jacks Creek, Tennessee. Uh, if you guys knew how I grew up in a little shotgun, shotgun home, um, and then to see where I am today, I tell you, it even scares me sometimes. 
I'm afraid that Keith Carver one of these days is really going to tell the story about my background and all the crazy things I did as a child growing up and uh, all of a sudden I'll be kicked out of West Tennessee healthcare. <laughs> Never ask someone to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. That's something my dad taught me at a very young, young age. So whenever it was time to mow grass, my dad was out there helping me mow grass. When it was time to till the garden and pull the weeds, my dad was out there helping me pull those weeds. And so that type of upbringing. I hope you can understand what a wonderful, wonderful set of parents that I had. That followed me along through my career, and we could talk about growing up as a kid riding a bicycle, doing first aid at horse shows and cow auctions and things of that nature, that love of medicine, that love of of providing care to others. We could talk about the folks that have spoken to my life through the years. Uh, a guy told me I should go to EMT school. Another guy that told me I should go to nursing school. That's a, that's a pretty neat story within itself. The reason he told me I should go to nursing school is it was an all-female dominated profession and I was gonna have a ball. But. Um, we could talk about guys like Jim Moss who spoke into my life and told me to go to grad school and uh, helping me get on this leadership role and be able to continue to learn and to grow in this thing called healthcare. We could talk about all those things, but really we need to talk about the people that provide care each and every day. I know you've heard a lot about COVID, but I'm telling you folks, those healthcare providers at the bedside that took care of COVID cases and also took care of the heart attacks and the strokes and everybody else that came into the emergency room are the actual, the true heroes. I'm just glad that I get to hang out with them. We could talk about Oh, the days that, uh, the days of when one doctor gets upset with me and another doctor jumps on board and then a staff person jumps on board and then another staff person jumps. Oh, we could talk about all those things, but really, folks, what I am extremely blessed with as Chris said, to whom much is given, much is expected. But that verse goes on to say, to whom much is entrusted, even more will be expected. Sometimes we forget that extra part of the verse. So tonight, on behalf of 7,000 employees across West Tennessee, and on behalf of a tremendous leadership team for West Tennessee Healthcare, 
and board members like Vicki Birch, Greg Milam, Danny Wheeler, Curtis Mansfield, and Phil Bryant. Those are the folks that really are the ones that are receiving this award tonight. I have to tell you, um, my wife told me, don't forget to thank your wife. <laughs> so as Keith Carver wrote his introduction, you know, that's pretty neat, Keith. You write your own introduction <laughs> as you're leaving. <laughs> but since 1987, my um, partner in crime, my sidekick, my best friend, my wife uh, has been right there with me. And a lot of those nights when you should be at home or whatever and you find yourself taking care of situations, uh, that understanding that only some of you as spouses can understand. She's not as understanding, but it, you get the understanding. <laughs> and also to my kids, uh, to Ashley and to Kelsey particularly, uh, those times whether it was I should have been at the ball game or I was late or should have been at the cheerleading practice or trying to teach Ashley how to play basketball, but she didn't have the first athletic bone in her. I, I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And finally, um, I'd just like to say health care is a profession. Health care is a calling, but health care is our way of life. And without us really embracing and understanding and grabbing hold of our own health, this country is in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble in a lot of different avenues, but we have to take our own responsibility for our own personal health. I um, can't tell you again, how much being a part of an organization that loves and respects people, that actually believes in taking care of each other so that they can take care of everybody else, what that means truly to me. And it should mean so much more to even all of West Tennessee. Thank you all so very much. Thank you, Discovery Park. You guys just keep on keeping on. Thanks. Thank you, JR. Congratulations. Our next honoree, former Congressman John Tanner, and he will be introduced by his longtime friend and former fellow congressman from North Carolina, Mr. Heath Schuler. 
Mr. Shuler represented North Carolina's 11th congressional district from 2006 to 2013, but many Tennesseans knew him a little bit before that. Former Congressman Shuler was a star quarterback at the University of Tennessee from 1991 to 1993, passing for over 4,000 yards and 36 touchdowns during his career as a Vol. Give him another round of applause. Mr. Shuler was drafted by the Washington Redskins and played in the NFL for the Redskins, the Saints, and the Raiders. He and his wife, Nicole, have two children, their daughter, Island, and their son, Navy. Navy is a reserve quarterback on the current UT Vols football team. The Shulers reside in Knoxville, where he is active in the real estate business. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Heath Shuler. Thank you, Kelly. What an honor it is for me to introduce John Tanner. I was told I only had two minutes to introduce him. How was it possible for me to say what I needed to say about this great man and all the stories that should be told? So I reached out to a few of his former colleagues, staff, family, and friends, and I asked them, what is the first thing you think of when you hear someone say the name John Tanner? Well, here are a few comments. Professional and wise, with a great, sorry, uh, professional and wise with a great blend of warmth and wit, respect, a positive mental attitude, the godfather of the blue dogs, a true statesman that always put his country over politics. The best staff in all of Congress. Vicki, we all owe a great deal of gratitude and we are always indebted to you and your team. Vicki actually ran all of Congress and the Blue Dogs. Smart, witty, Effective, caring, integrity, a true leader, the best friend a person could have. Union City, John always put his district first. A mentor, looked out for the new members of Congress. Advisor, international thought leader, referring to his work with NATO. From congressional leadership, John always made policy better by working with us or against us. The list goes on and on. So many great words of admiration, but they all had a story to tell. One in particular came to mind. One afternoon, between a long series of votes, John was holding court in the cloakroom as usual, discussing the upcoming votes and the day ahead. When Charlie Melanson, a member of Congress from Louisiana, asked John why he wasn't wearing his hearing aids, John paused and said, Hell, Charlie, half of what you hear on the hill is BS, and the other half I've already heard. 
John, you have meant so much to so many of us. We all love you. We are proud of the great work that you did while serving this great nation. Betty Ann, Elizabeth Porter, thank you for sharing my colleague, my mentor, and my friend, the Honorable John Tanner. May I simply say thank you to all of you here. May I say thank you to the Kirkland family. May I say thank you to our servers and all of the staff who made this evening possible. May I also say thank you to my fellow honorees, Ambassador, J.R., Chancellor. All of you all said things I wish I had thought of first. <laughs> you know, I want to also thank Heath for coming over. When uh, he got elected, uh, we became friends almost overnight. And he was asking about the Blue Dog. He became a leader of the Blue Dogs before he left Congress. And I was telling him about uh, one of the great things that I thought he could do as a freshman member to get more recognized was to send out postcards for a call your congressman night. We had the great idea to do that after I first got elected in Shelby County because I wasn't very well known down there. And so we sent out about 5,000 postcards said call your congressman on Tuesday night from seven to nine or whatever it was. So the night came and I was sitting there in the office in Memphis with the phone and the phone rang, seven o'clock. This little elderly voice of a lady came on and said, is Mr. Tanner there? Yes, yes, this is, Mr. Tanner? Yes, yes, silence. Hello? Uh, yes, this is Mr. Tanner, yes. She said, I got your postcard to call you tonight what do you want? <laughs> I said, see, that's not a very good idea, Heath. I don't know that I'd, I'd try that one. And then the other was when I, we were talking in the cloakroom, actually, and I, I told him about uh, going to this place over near Dover. And it was a place that was introduced to me by my predecessor, Congressman Ed Jones. And by the way, Congressman Jones' granddaughter is here tonight, and her husband, Jeff. Uh, all of, many of you in this room remember Congressman Jones. So it's a cold, dark October day, and I get over there to this breakfast at 7 o'clock in the morning, and there's only three people there. And the guy that invited me, said I, you know, he said, I'm sorry about the size of the crowd. And I said, oh no, that's all right. And offhandedly, I said, by the way, did you tell him I was coming? And he looked at me, he said, no, I didn't, but I'll try to find out who did. <laughs> that's the last time I asked that question. I wanna thank General Castellaw 
He was an honoree here at one time, and I thought, General, your prayer was right on target. Thank you very much for your prayer. He gave me the honor of speaking in his retirement ceremony in Crockett County, Keith. Around the square, they paraded Jeeps and everything else. It was a real honor for me, and General, thank you for your service. You know, I also want to take a point of personal privilege and thank my family. As the ambassador said, as JR said, as Keith said, they too pay a price for public service because you miss a lot of their activities. Our, my wife, Betty Ann, has been a North Star for many years, and by the way, her extended family's here, as is mine, my brother and my children, uh, Portis and Elizabeth, their children, Beck, Edith, Abby, Tanner, all here tonight, and our extended families, too many to mention, because this is an institution now in West Tennessee that people recognize as an institution that is a worthwhile an important place in our lives in West Tennessee. It will be that way for years to come, and for that we are always grateful to people who support it. I want to thank one other group of people. I would not have been able, and Betty Ann and I would not have been able to do what we did on your behalf unless we had people who helped us campaign and worked in the congressional office long hours for over 20 years to make this state and this country better. I beg you to let me ask them to please stand up. They came from Washington and New York and Florida and everywhere else. All of you all who helped in the congressional office and the campaign, please. These are the people that did the work. We might have gotten the, uh, we might have gotten the accolades, but these are the people that made it possible for us. Um, you know, the Blue Dogs, as he said, were founded based on financial responsibility and social tolerance. I believe that's where America is today. And Ambassador, I liked what you said about finding a way to work together. If we don't, I think it was Dr. King who said, we will either succeed together or we'll hang separately. And we are in desperate need of people of goodwill who can agree without disagree without being disagreeable and I hope we can start here tonight again in that vein. My other North Star uh, was and I think a lot of the people who, who helped us along the way is best summarized in a short poem by a woman named Will Allen Drumgool, who was born in 1860 in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. She was a famous poet. She died in 1934. 
and she wrote the poem, The Bridge Builder. And I think it sums up what we're all doing here tonight by trying to make our lives and the lives of those we know better. It goes like this, I hope you enjoy it. No man going alone highway came at evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide flowing through a sullen tide. Fellow pilgrim passing near, oh, oh man, why waste your strength with building here? Your journey will end at the close of day. You never again will pass this way. You cross this chasm deep and wide. Why waste your strength with building a bridge at even tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. In the path I've come, he said, there follows after me today a youth who too must pass this way. This stream which has meant naught to me, to that lad may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. My friend, I'm building this bridge for him. We're all bridge builders here tonight, and for that I want to thank you. And thank you again, Heath, and thank all of you all. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give another big round of applause for all of our recipients tonight. Like you and so many others, I'm inspired by the work of these individuals, what they're doing to inspire children and adults to see beyond. Of course, it mirrors Discovery Park's mission, and if you could step back in time 10 years, you would see that that has been the case since the very beginning. Here to take us back to when Discovery Park was just a seed planted in the minds of several hundred volunteers by Robert Kirkland is Dr. Lionel Cruz. Associate Professor with the Department of Chemistry and Physics at UTM. Please make him feel welcome. Well, I'm a little intimidated right now with all these just amazing people that have been up here before me. I'm an astrophysicist, so I'm more used to a room full of telescopes than a bunch of people. So I'll, I'll try to make this brief. Um, about a decade and a half ago, while I was still a young faculty member, I was approached by Dr. Michael Gibson, who informed me that there was this fellow in Union City who was putting together a committee to make a museum and a park. Now, having been to Union City a number of times over the years, I envisioned a small building housing local artifacts and stories, or you know, maybe at, some, at most something about the size of the library here in town. I imagined that I might run these science workshops for kids from school, you know, from time to time. So I asked Michael about what the focus of the museum was going to be and who this fellow was. I vividly remember being told that he had a full-size mastodon in his house. This was not going to be a small local museum. He was thinking of something along the lines of 100,000 square feet with full-size dinosaurs and an extensive surrounding park. It would be community members, hundreds of them, that would design the exhibits. I heard stories about planes, military vehicles, antique cars, a hedge maze, a dinner train, 
and a two-story person with a slide for a leg. No idea was too big. I thought, how wonderful, what a grandiose statement this will make, and how great a resource this will be for the region. I had the honor of serving as a member of the Science, Space, and Technology and Natural History Committees during the creation of what would eventually be known as the Discovery Park of America. We took trips to New York City to check out their planetarium, Huntsville to look for rockets, and Tucson to look at giant crystals and meteorites on top of many meetings to envision, plan, and design. One of the most unique aspects of Discovery Park was how Robert Kirkland encouraged this community input. When you look around, the items here in this museum and out in the Heritage Park are here because volunteers, some of whom are here in this room, made the suggestion that they should be here. I think it is part of the human condition that we like to leave a legacy, something that tells others who we were and what we thought was important. When you look at this museum and park, a place that rivals facilities and cities 50 times his size, you clearly see a man who had an intense drive, passion, and pride in his community. What a wonderful and amazing legacy this is for him. This is Discovery Park's 10th year since opening. The park started celebrating this milestone in January with free admission for children and $10 admission for adults. I'm told Discovery Park has had the single best January ever in the organization's history. This is a great way to kick off this anniversary. Recently, Discovery Park invited some of us who were involved in planning this park before it opened to stop by and share some of our favorite memories of those early days. Of course, there were a lot of stories shared many about Robert Kirkland himself. Fortunately, cameras were there, so we can all get a little taste of those early years. Please enjoy this video, and thanks to all of you who have, and still do, contribute to making Discovery Park the magical place that it is today. My favorite memories. One was the trip that we took to Tucson. I mean, that was a great trip right there, you know, going around shopping for fossils and meteorites and all kinds of stuff. But then there was that one stop we made. It was on a runway, an old runway. It was the guy Z, and he had these enormous, like, crystals and fossils and everything all set up, and you could just wander around. I think that's where we got a few of the, the big crystals, and the meteorite was from, was from Z. That was a lot of fun. Robert Kirkland had called me and asked me if I would go out to Barrett Jackson and buy cars for the museum. So my son and I and Terry Petty went out there and bought a million dollars worth of cars. We stayed out there about a week and we had a lot of fun. We, we were doing the early stages of this. We were, having, we were having this discussion about cost and we were trying to think of ways to cut costs. So I suggested we ought to think about cutting out the escalators in the building. And Robert said, uh, okay, let me let me think about that. And he said, about two seconds later, he said, I think we'll keep them. <laughs> but what, what was important about that was, I, it wasn't just, you know, that particular cost. It was, he was so focused on making sure this was a quality place. He thought that was important to have a quality guest experience. So he was determined to include things like that. And that, that was just the beginning of a lot of quality focused decisions that were made here. 
we would meet in the trailer initially, and there would be like 10 or 12 people in the group, everybody supporting Mr. K and or architect, exhibit people, et cetera, et cetera. So you'd meet there for two hours, back and forth, back and forth, what Mr. K wanted to do, what he wanted to pay. In the end, in the last 10 minutes, Mr. K would take whoever the lead person was in the back room and the two of them would decide what they wanted to do. So we participated, but Mr. K, final say. Well, I just remember when we first started hearing about Discovery Park and what it was all about. And I thought, Robert is so smart because when he selected people to be chairs in the beginning, it was community. So therefore you had the community working and spreading the word and getting the information out very, very quickly. And when we all understood what an educational institution this was going to be, in my heart, that was exactly what I wanted it to be. Everything else grew around education and that, that was wonderful. And that's what it is. Everybody would like to have somewhere to go to be entertained. And you can come here to be entertained. But it's not just regular entertainment. It's not the type like when you go to a movie and then when it's over, it's over. You learn something. And every time you walk through here, you learn something you didn't know before. You see the same things in a slightly different way. So it, it's, it's kind of like renewed discovery all of the time. You take a, a county of Obion County of 32,000, and there's 95 counties in Tennessee, and we're ranked in the top 30 in tourism. And the reason that we're ranked top 30 in tourism is only because of Discovery Park of America. Well, it is the tourist attraction. I mean, where else in the world can you come to a facility like this? And the way he set it up in galleries, you know, I mean, you, if you don't find something here that you like, I don't know where you're going to find it. Like if you went to Washington, you would find separate buildings for each gallery. All of those things he combined into one, not only the building, but the grounds. I mean, the grounds, this was a cornfield with nothing in it. Robert, he knew what he wanted. And so I enjoyed five years of getting it to what he wanted. And, you know, it keeps getting better. Oh, I think Robert Kirkland would be very proud to see what has transformed from this, this place right here. I think he would be very proud. Uh, he was always kind of a larger than life kind of person. And, you know, to be honest, that's kind of what this place is. It's a larger than life, kind of unexpected place to have in such a rural area. Um, has so many amazing things that really stands out. Yeah, so I would say just from how I knew him as a larger than life, colorful character, I think this museum is exactly that. So. To be honest with you, I think Discovery Park of America actually changes lives. I think that kids can come here and they see things and experience things that actually may cause them to want to go on and further their education and do things that they had never considered doing before. It's just priceless. Wow, what great memories and such a testament to the work that has gotten us to where we are today. I hope you enjoyed that broadcast of our 2023 
Robert E. and Jenny D. Kirkland Discovery Awards. It uh, was an amazing experience for all of us who got to be here, and I hope just a little bit of the passion came through to inspire you to see beyond. Our mission here at Discovery Park is to inspire children and adults to see beyond. To plan an experience here for you and your family, visit discoveryparkofamerica.com. 